Hello, wonderful people. Thank you for joining us for Women's Empowerment Power Hour with Dr. Jennifer. I am Dr. Jennifer, and I am thrilled you have chosen to join us. In this podcast, we discuss a new topic each week, which is important to women as we navigate professional, personal, and interpersonal challenges, always with power and grace. Before we get into our show, I want to thank all of you for joining us on this podcast journey, and I especially want to thank our large and growing listenership from the UK. We are thrilled that you are listening in, so thank you. Our topic for the show this week is the fatigue of motherhood. There was some discussion in the media and in popular culture during the pandemic about how mothers were shouldering a lot of the responsibility of families. Mothers were not just family managers and caregivers, but suddenly also educators, safety managers, nurses, and on-call cooks around the clock sometimes. Motherhood is wonderful for most mothers. And we definitely don't want to highlight only the difficult aspects. But we also want to allow women who are struggling to be able to find support in other mothers, other women, and even with men in their lives to be able to safely say, I'm really having a difficult time right now without guilt or shame and without being judged as being a bad mother for having these feelings. We like to unpack difficult topics on this show, so we are going to tackle the fatigue of motherhood. Thankfully, I won't be alone in this discussion. To help me unpack this important issue is my amazing co-host, Lauren Supina of Wide Lens Coaching, Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining me for this, I think, really important discussion on the fatigue of motherhood. I appreciate you, and I always appreciate our discussions. Well, thank you for having me. I love our conversations, and the more we can talk about these important subjects and the more we can create space to make sure other people feel that they aren't alone in feeling all of these things or thinking about them, the uh, better off we all are. So much, yes. Yeah, thank you for adding that. So last weekend in the United States, we celebrated Mother's Day. We celebrated Mother's Day. And it's a great thing that we honor all the amazing things moms can do and that we create these spaces where women can women are celebrated and the sacrifices they give and we show them love and maybe one of the next steps we can do for a lot of moms is to acknowledge the fatigue that mothers feel and sometimes the loneliness that is underlying that fatigue Yes, it is so important to honor mothers, and we shouldn't just have one day set aside to honor mothers and motherhood, but this is one time each year that we specifically set aside 
to honor motherhood. But we're going to discuss some aspects of motherhood that sometimes we don't, as women, always have permission to give voice to, or we have these feelings. And as we discussed in our last episode, we have to repress the feelings. And so I am a mother. It is one of my greatest achievements. My daughter is absolutely my hero. It was not an easy process getting pregnant for us. We went through lots and I'm so grateful that she is, that I have the honor of being her mom. Having said that, it can also be extraordinarily exhausting. Um, not because of her, but because of the job of being a mother and putting yourself into it. It takes a lot of energy. Yes, absolutely. And I completely understand where you're coming from. I have two sons. They're teenagers now and I love them. It's one of, you know, an amazing role to have in my life. And I am so proud of them and everything that they've become. And yet at the same time, it's also one of the things we don't talk about very much is the mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion of mothers and creating safer spaces for women to talk about the emotional exhaustion is really important. I think we do have spaces where we're talking more about the physical exhaustion of, you know, the imbalanced workload and young mothers or new mothers. A lot of mothers aren't very young anymore. A lot of women are having children at older ages. I certainly did. And it was physically exhausting in a way that I didn't even realize it. I just thought I should have this expectation of myself. And I know I wanted to live up to this being this superhuman person that could do all of these things. And I didn't even feel I had the space to speak up and say I needed, no, I shouldn't be carrying, helping you carry the ping pong table out to the garage three days after I gave birth. <laughs> you know, like literally there was a neighbor who was in her garden and she yelled across the, she yelled across two yards, stop lifting heavy. Like she, and I felt like, oh my God, she cares about me. Yeah. It was like, pick up the ping pong table. We got to move it. And, and I felt, you know, resilient and all of that. And yeah, and there's a, there's a space of like, how do you, how do we find that area to talk about our physical needs, but also just emotional fatigue? Yes. And that is carried out throughout all of motherhood, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we're thinking about the 
you know, the doctor's appointments and what they need for camp or what they need before they go off to college or have they registered for these things. And, and I'm sure I always preface things with, I'm sure there are a lot of dads who do these things out there too, but it is that emotional weight that they're starting just now to write more articles about. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the emotional, there can be a lot of fatigue and there can be underlying loneliness in there too. Yeah. And And I think some of that has to do with, do we create safe spaces for everyone and specifically even our close friends to Mm -hmm. talk about what we're feeling and it's not the perfect, I'm so proud. I'm so excited. I'm so honored to be a mother. Mm -hmm. I know I get a lot of pushback when I have felt even with some people that I'm very close to wanting to say I'm feeling lonely in this aspect of motherhood. The knee-jerk reaction in most of our society is to tell people they're just teenagers. This is just a phase. And I feel like I know that. I fully embrace that for them but there should be a safe space for me to feel comfortable talking about that. Instead, most of the message I get is don't talk about it that way. That's not happening. You just have to be more patient. And what I really need is just a safe space to air. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm feeling and I'm, and I can feel both things at once. And I know we talked about this on a previous episode of you can be so excited for that child to go off to college and also miss them and you can be so lonely and wanting to have conversation or wanting to talk about certain things and being pushed away all the time and told no and yes that's part of childhood development but is shouldn't it be okay for me to talk about that and how that feels for me not putting it on your child and feeling like okay they need to absorb or listen to what I'm feeling, but can't I talk to my fellow friends or mothers who have gone through these stages as well without feeling like, don't you worry, there it's going to be like this, or it's going to be like that. And there is kind of a robbing of, sometimes it's robbing of joy and sometimes it's stifling emotional expression, right? Yes. Yeah. I, just wanted to kind of underline something that you said and you've mentioned in previous episodes. It is possible to hold two emotions at the same time and both be perfectly valid. So it is possible to be completely and totally in love with your child or your children and also be overwhelmed that one does not cancel out the other. Um, And that holds true in so many other factors of our life, right? You can get married and we have a little more space to talk about what's great about marriage and what you might be frustrated with your husband with, right? And you could have a boss and, or you get this great new job and you're the CEO or something. And, and it's okay to talk about how amazing this is and how much this changed your life. And also like what you might've given up. Yeah. Motherhood, we we're not really allowed to talk about what we gave up or Uh we're not allowed to talk about if we feel lonely or any kind of difficult 
emotion or an emotion that we normally yeah. would think of as a negative, right? We're like only, a, we're only supposed to talk about the yes. joy and the bliss and the, how happy we should yeah. feel about it. Hearts and unicorns and happy ever after. I think that sometimes, and I am speaking for myself here, sometimes having these discussions like I'm really struggling. I'm really frustrated. I am over my head right now. I can't keep up with all these responsibilities or, you know, gosh, I really miss just being single and being able to just go away for a weekend at the drop of a hat. Uh, I think that I am held back from having these candid conversations by shame. Like I yes. feel ashamed that because society is telling me that this is the best thing that has ever happened to me, and it actually is, but I can only hold one emotion, and that is bliss. And if you're not feeling, if you're not in that space all the time, then shame on you. So I, I don't feel like it's safe to have a chat with someone wow, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be, or I just am overwhelmed. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And we don't hold those safe spaces. Or if we allow somebody to say a little bit about how they feel overwhelmed, we immediately want to fix it or tell them why they should be. You're so lucky. You're mm -hmm. so... It's, it's amazing. And let's skip over what you were just trying to communicate to me, which was either maybe loneliness or sadness or frustration or even anger or disappointment. You know, we give up a lot in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially as women are having children older. I know mm -hmm. I had my children at 38 and 40, and it did a lot on my body. And yeah. my mother-in-law, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time she said, when are you going to get your body back? Or she, refer <laughs> she kept referring to people getting their body back. And it just made me feel like shit every time. <laughs> and, you know, no, but, this is part had, of it. But she had her yeah. children at 22. And yeah. so it was a different thing. You know, we uh -huh. don't we don't allow for that. Even Jennifer Garner talked about that recently, mm -hmm. right? About having children and the paparazzi just waiting to see like, when is she yeah. going to like, you know, uh -huh. lose all that weight and look amazing again. And um, yeah, so it is this kind of, how do we allow ourselves to have these space safe spaces, but how do we create those spaces for the people around us. Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing I would ask people is the next time somebody in your life is trying to share with you either a frustration or a fatigue or a disappointment, give pause for them to share that and acknowledge that and support them in that feeling instead of moving them quickly to but this is just how they are. And this is such a blessing. And so that's one thing we can do for people. Yeah. And then something that I've even done with a few people is I've said, stop. 
I can feel both things. Please don't be that friend that makes me only talk about the positive. Mm -hmm. Give me space to talk about what I'm struggling with. Yeah. Without telling me that I should be feeling differently. And that's what we tend to do is we tend to tell people you should be feeling differently. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to circumvent any of the trolls out there who want to call in (laughs) or leave comments and say, you know, but it's such a blessing. I know it is. I'm talking about how do we create those safe spaces? And there's been a lot of research that has shown just by being able to name and talk about what we're feeling alleviates that feeling. It's you and I have talked about this before. It's that when we are repressing these things, that it what we resist persists. Yes. So when you said just tell someone, yes, I know, can I just please have the permission or can you please just allow me to express, I can imagine that women are listening to this and thinking, I I just, I can't imagine myself doing that or saying that. And I I think that honestly, for a lot of women, that would be really hard to to interrupt a friend who is meaning well, but not necessarily doing the best for you. Yes, that's very true. A lot of people do that, but we also need to learn and we also need to grow and say what it is we need. Yes. And even if it is hard, if we don't say that, what we're doing instead and what we're learning instead is this person is not a safe person for me to talk to about this part of my life. And there are, I have people in my life who I just know I can't go there with them because they have knee jerk reactions to tell me what I should be feeling instead. And um, that's okay. I love them for other things in in their life. You know, we all have different friendships, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can be that friend who does give that space, and if you can be that person who asks for that space, if it's an, if it's a relationship that's important to you, if you can find your voice and say, I really need a safe space to talk about this. And I need you to be here with me with what, where, what I'm feeling right now. And it goes without saying that I love my child or my children with all my heart. And I would do anything for them. I need to feel that it's okay for me to talk about this other side. Um, and that, that goes for, that's actually a good practice in anything yes. at work yeah. with your spouse or your significant other or your partner or with mm-hmm. your friends, you know, but yeah. I do think there is a knee jerk reaction around uh, motherhood mm-hmm. and the way we should feel and the feelings we should express. And that if that's not what we're expressing, there is a sense to let me just tell you it's gonna get better or it's going to be this. And I and we all know that. We all know we love yeah. our children. We all know these are certain stages. Can we just widen the space a little bit so we can in- include all the emotions that I'm feeling? Yeah. And as we have discussed, you're just functionally telling the person 
not to shut up, but that feeling isn't valid because by saying, oh, it'll get better, or this is just a phase, you're invalidating what that person just shared with you. And it might have been very difficult to to share. And, you know, if you think about doing it yourself and think that, oh, gosh, I, I'm not sure that I can do that, then think about working up the courage to do that and to uh, stop someone. And it's not it's not rude and it's not being dismissive of a friend. It's just taking uh, ownership of your own feelings. You can say, I understand what you're saying and I, you know, I do value your opinion or I I do understand, but the, what I'm trying to say is I'm feeling this and I need you to hear that. I can absolutely understand that you might feel, well, that they'll, my friend will think that I'm being rude or I'm cutting them off or, but as you said, with the right friend, you need to have the permission to be able to have those discussions where jumping to a solution isn't the immediate response. And as women also, this isn't just women, but we tend to have discomfort with silence. And so if if someone shares something with you, Sometimes it can be hard for us just to sit with what has just been shared without responding immediately. And this is something that I have worked when I studied social work. My mentor would tell me, Jennifer, get comfortable with silence. Just sit with it. Because if I was talking with a, a client or a patient, I would need to respond immediately. But you have to get comfortable with silence and think about what has just been shared into the space with you and then respond maybe with a little bit more uh, thought and empathy than just jumping right to peacemaking or solutions or whatever we jump to, which effectively closes down the conversation. Right. And I, think that it, when people are sharing this with you, it means they've thought about this. They have rolled this over in their mind and it's hard to even share it out loud. And so when we just want to move them along to the happy place, right? We basically teach them, don't share with me. Yes. This isn't the place for you to talk about anything other than something positive, mm-hmm. or I don't hear it when you say that, or yeah. I'm not comfortable with it. And one of the things I've learned is that it's just that sometimes other people just aren't comfortable with that. And so you have to choose who you talk to. We all know that, right? Yeah. We all know you have to choose very carefully who you share, you know, your deepest feelings and fears and frustrations and angers, you have to choose carefully who you share that with. But some people do want to be that confidant and that listener. They're just not aware that they are glossing over your difficult feelings 
because they're not comfortable with them and they want to just get to where you should be, how you should be recovered, how you should be over grief. We've talked about this, right? And, and my plea is just, let's give people more space and I'm not perfect at it. I'm sure you'd get a bunch of my friends could call in and say, you didn't do that. I'm sure that I'm not perfect at it. I've learned a lot since the pandemic, right? Lots of different, we've all gone through a lot of different chapters and manifestations of things and experiences and how have we risen to the occasion to address them? Yeah. So since you brought up the pandemic, I I think I'd just like to underline or highlight how motherhood or mothers were impacted by the pandemic differently than fathers. Again, this isn't that fathers had nothing to do with childcare and didn't have to participate in teaching or other aspects, but a lot of responsibilities that shifted during the pandemic shifted onto moms. So in addition to juggling jobs or even if you're not working that just managing the home and keeping things running and making sure bills are paid. We also had to make sure that kids were learning and taking care of homework that needed to be done and doing things safely if they leave the house. So there was a different level of stress to motherhood during the pandemic, particularly around education and learning. And I think that we're still, children are still readjusting. And I think that to some extent, mothers are still readjusting. Yeah, I completely agree. I think even though things have gone back to normal, there was a lot going on in that pandemic. And studies have shown that once you, you know, natural disasters or issues I mean, there's nothing similar to the pandemic. You know, we can't go all the way back to the 1920s. It's not the same thing from the Spanish flu. But but when they do have huge natural disasters, even once the economy, once the infrastructure is rebuilt, once the economy stabilizes, that there are certain conditions that don't just go back to normal. And one of them is mental health, domestic abuse. Um, is one also alcoholism, things that people did, conditions that were a result of the pandemic are still there, you know, and there's still a lot of fatigue and a lot of, you know, at least now people are in better and stronger routines, but you're right, during the pandemic, moms were just there were more dishes to clean. Everybody mm-hmm. was eating three meals yep. a day. There was more, you know, the online learning and the kids and and my heart goes out to so many parents of all ages of kids. It was hard. And parents in general, men and women, transgender, any parent that you are, that was hard. Mm-hmm. But studies have shown that it disproportionately weighed on women. And mm-hmm. it, that was part of the result of the, you know, great resignation is women saying, I, I just can't do that. And yeah. now we're seeing that a lot of people are redesigning their entire lives because they've realized they either do want to spend more time with family or they 
want to do something very differently in terms of quality of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another aspect of our lives that changes as a result of becoming a mother is the dynamics in our relationships, friendships, familial relationships, but also partnerships, marriages, significant others. It changes. And it that's not to say that having children breaks up marriages, but it puts a different stress on on marriages. Would you say that's fair to say? I think that's absolutely fair to say. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a single parent out there. I'd be surprised if they said, and I, I'd think, well, how did they do that if there was a parent out there? you know, of any gender identification that said this did not, having children did not. I mean, you immediately, you you lose sleep. You have, you know, somebody that you're responsible for, their health, their well-being. You don't have time. It, of course, it changes your friendships in terms of, you know, who's available when and if mm-hmm. they're available last minute. You know, you go yeah. from being single and or not single, but you don't have children at that point. And you might be doing things with friends at the last minute. And all of a sudden it's, oh no, you can come over to to my house or no, you can't come over. I'm putting the child to bed. I have all of these things. And yeah, it definitely puts a strain on relationships. And they've even shown the, the most difficult and stressful years of a marriage are when the children are young because Mm -hmm. of all that strain. It's when they start to get older and there's more time that parents can define how they're spending their time together. If they're spending time together, more, you know, quality time. Yeah. Those early years, you're readjusting to a new identity. You're no longer you know, this dyad, which is an adjustment in itself. You meet a partner and you commit to a relationship and that changes who you are. But then when you add children, that complicates that dyad now becomes a family and who you are in the partnership changes, what the expectations on you in the family unit changes, especially for the mom changes also for, for the dad, if there's a mom and a dad present, but the expectations are certainly different for a mom than for a dad generalization, but it's, it is a huge generalization, but it is what society has taught us for generations of you know, whether it's in the media, you know, whether it is traditions or in the media and, and it's changing. I, I think it's amazing how, um, part by necessity, uh, young couples, both people need to work usually today Mm -hmm. and both people want to work. You know, women are having more fulfilling careers. We haven't changed much on pay equity. Yes. Um, and so for that reason, a lot of times women might choose to stay home because it's more expensive to engage childcare. So there's lots of different reasons and ways people are creating lives. 
mm-hmm. and parenting and working on the relationships today. But society is still very strongly, it weighs on the women and that women will do anything. Of course, they'll do anything to protect their children, but it's a little bit more that women will do anything even at their own, the expense of their own health, mm-hmm. mental and physical health to protect yes. their children. For men, those societal messages are not as strong. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we don't have pay equity, despite the fact that the the institution of motherhood is venerated such that that it is. And we also women suffer the motherhood tax, which I think research has shown that if if you become a mother professionally, you suffer a three to four percent loss in income, whereas fathers get a, a fatherhood bonus, Absolutely. which is about four percent increase in their salary. So, yeah, absolutely. They do. Um, And in fact, I have a coaching business and I coach a number of women who are either re-entering the workforce after they've stayed home, no matter what age their children are, or if they've been in the workforce the whole time and they're just looking to do something different. But my consulting business works specifically on this issue. And it's fascinating to me that women, when prepped to go into interviews, don't want to talk about or really can't talk about, well, I have responsibilities at home. I have kids. You don't want to talk about that, that you feel like that's going to hinder you. There's going to be a red flag that goes up. It's changing, but it's not changing for all ages, right? It might be changing for people who are younger, who it's a different Mm -hmm. workforce, People who are my age, it is not changing there. Mm -hmm. But men, if they show up into an interview, can say, oh, well, I take my daughter to Spanish class on on Tuesday mornings. And it's, oh, he's such a great dad. Yeah. But a woman interviewing is saying the same thing. I take my daughter to Spanish class. It's horrible. She's not seen as the committed mom. She's seen as like she's too involved in that side of her life. And whereas men, it's just assumed that they get such great points if they, you know, volunteer at anything, right? And women, women are also moms are volunteer shamed, you know? Of you haven't volunteered enough. You haven't. Oh yeah. You haven't. You know what do you mean? You've never worked at the concession stand. Yeah. You know you have <laughs> a kid on the team or something. And uh huh. And instead of wait a second, I have served the meals, but you yeah. didn't see me doing that. So you know. Whereas I don't know that there is as much volunteer shaming of men of the dads. Oh, for um, sure. You know, and it is. This, if a dad shows up, it's great. And we love that. And we want men to volunteer. And it's not that we don't want men to volunteer, but we don't want to shame other women when they're telling you they can't, right? Yes. Or when it's too much or when they're already feeling burnt out. Yeah. And we do this even to our friends, right? Yes. I'm signing up. I'm signing up to volunteer in these ships. When are you also going to sign up? Uh And they're not canvassing dads to do it. And 
yeah, it's just, it's an issue. Let's not, let's stop the volunteer shaming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that is such a great point. I'll just share, my husband and I went to visit this charity recently, and I saw a couple of women that I didn't know notice me and made a beeline directly over to me and asked me if I would, didn't know me, I didn't know this organization, but immediately asked me if I would volunteer for this upcoming fundraiser. My husband was standing right next to me. He didn't get asked, but they asked me and they asked for my email address. And this is when, how much time we need and can you do this? And what's, what are your skills in this? Like, I don't know you. And what about the dude standing right next to me is my husband. He has time, but they they didn't ask him. They asked me, you know, it was associated with being a mom. The volunteer shaming, that is such a, that is absolutely a thing. And we have got to just let each, uh, let other women off the hook for that. Right. You know, it's okay to ask, but just because you're making something homemade for the bake sale, don't judge someone if they bring in store-bought whatever, because that's what they had time to do. That's right. We're doing the best that we can. You know, when I was in college, so this is many, many years ago, but other girls on my floor were getting these you know, care packages of baked cookies and stuff like that and everything from their moms. And my mother was amazing in so many ways. She was just never that kind of mom. And she sent me this care package, quote unquote, with a Ziploc bag and it had a bunch of Oreos in it. And it had a typed note because she was too busy to write it even. And it just said, these cookies have as much love in them as if mommy had sweater day away in the cookie in the kitchen making them. And I've always remembered that of like, okay, I get the point, mom. And, um, you know, it's just, we all show our love in different ways. And, yes. Um, we all show our support in different ways and we all have a certain amount of bandwidth yes. and on your point of, why didn't they ask your husband about volunteering? The next step to that is the word no, right? No is a complete sentence. Yep. But it seems like when men often say, no, I can't do that, they won't get asked again. Mm-hmm. But women, no, I can't do that. Well, let me know if your schedule opens up. Well, yep. hey, did anything change? They're waiting for either an yep. explanation of why you can't. I yep. I have to explain why, or it's you know yeah. can't I fit it in? Can't I try? Can't to do you it? at least do right. this? Yes. Okay, but okay. What about then? Just this. You're right. absolutely right. No is not a complete sentence with women, right. but it you're that is an excellent point. Yeah, and I remember bringing this up like 25 years ago, and where my husband, my ex-husband, he was my husband at the time, we were setting up meetings or something like that. And I told somebody, no, I can't do that. And they pushed back and pushed back. Well, it's kind of best if you can set it up two at a time or something. And my husband at the time just said, no, we can do one. And that was the end of the story. And it was just, you just feel this. 
Yeah. There's a constantly pushing mothers and pushing and pushing. And when we say we can't do any more, it's like nobody can hear us. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's coming from other women. Yes. Um, More so. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more so than, than men, honestly, but we need to show each other the kindness and grace of allowing a no and to understand that a no means I am doing the best that I can. And this is just not in my bandwidth right now. Right. Right. And especially, you know, we're living in an age of uh, loneliness and isolation and depression. Yeah. And when people are doing the best they can, we have to support them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And not make things worse. Yeah. Um, especially given the last three years. Especially. Yeah. You have a right to say no, even if you have absolutely nothing on your calendar. But if you just cannot psychologically handle whatever it is, volunteering or going out with couples and their kids for dinner, whatever it is, you don't have to give an excuse if you just cannot do it. And and we we just have to accept that each of us deserves that grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point to end on, right? Yes. We all deserve that grace to say no. Yes, absolutely. Well, so for the mothers listening, we appreciate you. And hopefully this has been helpful and hopefully maybe even a tiny bit empowering and know that there are other women feeling exactly like you are, your work, your fatigue is appreciated. Thank you for joining us for Women's Empowerment Power Hour with Dr. Jennifer. We know there are lots of things competing for your time and we are really grateful you have joined us for this important discussion. A big thanks to Lauren Supina of Widelands Consulting for co-hosting and bringing her amazing insights as she always does. You can contact her through her website at wide-lens.com. You can contact me, Dr. Jennifer, through my Instagram account, dr.gent, that's d-r-period-j-e-n-n-t. A quick note, if you subscribe to our show, you can be sure not to miss an episode. And please consider leaving us feedback on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. Thanks again for joining and have an empowerful week.